past week I had a birthday. I won't tell you how old I am. But in 46 years of life, I'll tell you something. I'm not ashamed of my age. But in 46 years of life, I know one thing that I've learned is that my God is good. It's something I say a lot, but it's, it's, it's a focus in my life. Because I know that no matter what happens in this world, that God is good. And God blesses us with all kinds of things, right? He blesses us with new grandchildren. <laughs> Our first grandchild. That's a blessing. He's blessed me with a new little puppy. She's kind of demonic sometimes, but she's, you know, she's a pretty good dog, right? He blesses me with people that I get to do ministry with. And overall, he's blessed me with eternal life. I will never be any more blessed than I was when I accepted Christ because salvation is mine. In Acts chapter 4, where we're going to be out of this morning, we see that the people have come together and they have a common goal. And it says here that they were one. Our theme, if I was to give our church a theme for this year, is that we are one, one in Christ. And at Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32, we see them picking up after Peter and John had been arrested and detained, and they preached the gospel anyways, and then those, those Pharisees and Sadducees and everybody there that was against them, they said, you know what, you can't preach Jesus. And they said, well, that may be wrong to you, but it's not wrong to us, and we're going to keep preaching. And they did. And they go back to the, the people, the believers, and it says that they didn't pray for, you know, a new church. They didn't pray for a new government. They prayed for boldness. And I've said it a, a lot in our Wednesday nights. I think sometimes our prayers are kind of misguided. We're praying the wrong things. We're focusing on the wrong things. The disciples, uh, for instance, when they come to Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And I think they came to Jesus with that request because they were praying the wrong things. They were very, very much a religious type of prayer. And Jesus said, you know what? Pray like this. And he, of course, gives the, the model of the Lord's prayer to them. And I don't think the Lord's prayer is a mantra that we are to always repeat and it's the only prayer we are to pray. I think Jesus was saying, pray like this. This is exactly what he said. Pray like this. In our prayers today, I, I think sometimes we just need to say, God, would you be bold in us? And that's the exact prayer that we see here. Look at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture. God, I pray today as we are here that you would speak to our heart. That we would be reminded today that we are one in you. And that there's a, there's a change that happens in your people when we pray for boldness, when we pray for courage. I think too much of the time, Father, we walk around as if we've already been defeated. As if the world has the final say in anything that happens here. But Lord, we know how this book ends. We know how time will end. It ends with you being glorified. 
God, I thank you so much for, for speaking to us today, giving us this opportunity to come here, to hear your word, to worship you, and then, Lord, to continue that, that God-honoring life in whatever we do. Call people to you today, in true repentance, in true belief in your name. Amen. Amen. I was reading this uh, this morning as I was up here, uh, showed up a little bit early to fix some coffee because I want to keep everybody happy and I don't want people arguing and, you know, not being caffeinated. I think that could be a problem sometimes. But uh, I was up here early and I was kind of flipping through as the coffee was brewing. I was flipping through my Facebook as we do. And uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys know him, but Greg Laurie, he's like a really great evangelist. I've just always kind of looked up to Greg Laurie. And his post this morning says this. He says, I think committed Christians are the true rebels in our culture today. True Christians. He goes on, he says, don't tell me that it's rebellious to do what everyone else does. Say what everyone else says. Be woke. (laughs) And conform to a pre-existing culture that is changing before our eyes. He ends all this up by this phrase here. Stand for Christ. We're, we're the true rebels if we're following Jesus. This society is, is pushing against the work of God. We see it all the time, don't we? But I know this, and this is where my, my strength comes from. Is, is there a push against the church? Is there a push against modern Christianity? Is there, is there a push against families? Is there a, pu- a push against unborn children? Is there a push against people who are in climates and in social situations where it's terrible? Yes, there is a push. But Jesus said that even the very gates of hell would not knock down the church. I'm a part of that church, aren't you? I'm not talking First Baptist. I'm talking the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Nothing can knock us down. And I believe that these these followers of Jesus, that they were going through a lot of hard stuff, but it says their prayers were for boldness because they knew where their strength was coming from. Where does your strength come from today? You know, is it coffee? (laughs) Is it coffee? Our coffee cups that we pass out, the little styrofoamy cups. He's got a lid on it and everything. It's, it has a list, you know, when you can talk to the person, you know, not yet. Wait just a minute. I think you get about two thirds of the way down the cup and it says, okay, talk to me or something like that. You know, we, we often grab our strength from the wrong places. You know, as powerful as worship may be for you, that's not even where you get your strength. As powerful as listening to your amazing pastor Daniel this morning, this is not even, the strength comes from the Lord. Amen. And I know in scripture, it teaches us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. What I see in the early church in these these first few chapters, you see a church who, they had every reason probably just to give up on the cause. But what we see is that they have a joy that's beyond anything else in this world. And they come together regardless of what the world's telling them. And they pray for boldness. And what I believe, I believe today that a spirit-powered courage leads believers to being certain things. That if the Holy Spirit's in you today, it's going to change you. It's going to empower you. I think sometimes when we're, we're looking into, uh, you know, what do we do as a church? What are some ministries we need to do? And, and, you know, I've come up, coming up on like one year ministry here, like officially right in the pulpit. And this past year, I didn't know how to come to McLeod. I, my last church, I was there 17 years, you know? Um, and, and I think I, coming here, I didn't know, like, well, what do I need to do as a pastor? 
And one of the things some of my mentors, some of my brothers in Christ said to me, they said, do a lot of listening this year. And I guess if I was to give a state of the church address, I would say this, you guys are of one heart. You guys are of one mind. I don't say that lightly. I, I didn't know if coming to McLeod, if I was going to get into a bunch of business meetings where we're all just tussling and fighting, right? I didn't know if we was going to have a lot of pushback. Well, that's not how we've done it, Daniel. We better not do it that way. I didn't know if I was coming to a church. They said, we want to change everything and wipe it out. Here, here's what I found. I found a bunch of people who have different styles of worship, different maybe versions of the Bible you read. Uh, they may have different outlooks on, on different things. But what I see is that we all have a commonality in Jesus. And I want to say you ought to pat yourself on the back for that because this is a good place to start. What I've heard from you is that we want change. We want growth. And not for us. It's not about leaving a legacy for Daniel or for yourself. I mean, if you guys want to name a wing after me one of these days, that'd be awesome, right? (laughs) The Daniel Henson World Evangelism Center. I think that'd be awesome. But I'm just throwing it out there. What I do want us to say is that we're building a legacy for God, right? To God be the glory, great things he has done. It's not me. It's not you. This past year, I've, I've just gotten this overwhelming sense that these people are on fire for Jesus. They love the Lord. You guys have went through a very tumultuous time. You, you, you've had some things in the past that were not so good. You've had a whole lot of things in the past that were good, though, right? I believe that. Coming through COVID, coming through, you know, price gouging situations at the pump. We've been through a lot. But through it all, Jesus has been our constant. Through your transition is to me as being your pastor. He's been a constant, has he not? I know. I may have rubbed some of y'all the wrong way sometimes. I get it. I rub myself the wrong way sometimes. You know, I'm like, what are you doing, Daniel? I'm kind of like Paul sometimes. You know, I'm like, man, I'm the chief of sinners, right? But you guys must understand and I must understand that our power is not from ourselves. It's not from being a Southern Baptist, which I'm super proud of. It's not by being uh, anything in this world except being in Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, the apostles here, the people, the, the, the ones who were left behind after Christ ascended to the Father's right hand, they prayed for boldness. So if we were to look at some things that happen when we pray for courage and we live in courage, a spirit-powered believer leads us to all being one. Everybody say one. The first point I'd say this morning is that they were one. They weren't two. They weren't first Baptist, second Baptist, third Baptist, you know. They weren't, they weren't different Sunday school classes. They weren't different age groups. They weren't different music styles. They were one. And if, if I could say anything that we need to continue in is, church, we are one. It's not a youth church, a kid church, an adult church. It's not any of this. It's one. We have one focus here. And the way that we're able to be one is by praying for courage to be bold in our faith. You know, you, you read there and it says that they, that they had a full number of people and they were, were of one heart and soul. It sounds like a boys to men song, doesn't it? Or something, I don't know. They were one heart and soul, right? They, they were one in, in spirits. But that didn't happen because 
because they were good people. I mean, you're talking about, you know, one of their leaders was a guy who liked to go around cutting people's ears off. You know, if I was a, if I was a pastor today and uh, you guys were inter- interviewing me or something like that and you say, well, tell us a little bit about your past. Well, I kind of have this problem every now and then I cut people's ears off with my sword. You guys probably would be like, oh, okay. On to number 18, right? I, I look at that and I think these early apostles, they were not perfect. I think probably people could have been critical of them. Well, you're, you're not even, you've never been to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, John or Peter. You've never even been there before. You have no experience. Why, why, who are you to tell us these things? But here's the thing. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they did some really cool stuff for the glory of God. And they were all together as one. What these early Christians, what were they like? I mean, this is, gives us a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be like. And honestly, uh, I've been blessed in my life. I, I've never really been in a church where people were just having a civil war. It's never been like that for me. But I know a good number of people who are in churches where it's like a civil war all the time. There's always fighting. And that saddens my heart because that's not what I see here in Acts. And I know they had differences of opinion. I know that there were things that they were thinking, ah, you know, I don't really agree with that. But they were one in heart and soul. And everything they did was in common. It was all focused on Jesus. They were clearly united. They not only prayed together, but they were one in heart and mind. It's easy to come together and pray, but I'm saying when the prayers were over, they worked together. We don't just come here on Sunday mornings and pray and then walk out the door and do our own thing. No, we're still together when we leave this place. These people were witnesses to the resurrection and that witness continued. As you're reading through Acts, you keep talking and hearing and, and hear, seeing all this stuff about the witness. What was the witness? They had actually witnessed Jesus crucified, dead, buried, and risen. They witnessed these things. And their story was very relevant to the world around them. And guys, I'll tell you something. It's still the same for us today. We have a common message. These Christians, they weren't like a monastery type of thing. They they didn't do that. They weren't like a cult. They were very open. They didn't exclude anybody. They brought everybody in. If you'll read uh, earlier in in the book of Acts, it says that every day the numbers to the church were adding and adding and adding. They didn't exclude people. I know I've... In college, I remember studying, one of my favorite classes was called Cults and Followings. I love this class, you know? And we actually, they brought in some some cult members from different cults and actually had them come and speak to us. And I, I thought, wow, this is this is interesting stuff, you know? I mean, you had you had some people from Oklahoma City area who who were, they were okay being called being in a cult, which I thought was weird, but but they came in and they talked about this. Christianity's not a cult, though. I remember the professor was trying to say, well, yeah, Christianity is technically, by definition, a cult because you've got a group of people following one leader. And I'm like, yeah, but he's not just one leader. He is the one. (laughs) He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. These people were no different than you and I today. They were following the God of creation. They were following the one that, that because of him, everything existed. They were following the one that because of him, we could have eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. They were one. Christianity contains clear-cut social implications, and sharing with others is one of them. If we could unite around something today, it would be that we would all share what we have in common. 
I patted you guys on your back and I said, hey, good job. I really feel like we're going in the right direction. I feel like we're of one accord. We all want to grow. We all want to see Jesus lifted up. Now, what do we do in year two with this guy? What would I like to see? I would like to see us not just patting each other on the back, but I would like to see us going. We talked this morning and I, and I, I hope to, we're going to meet towards the end of this month like an initiative or um, an organization of our talents here within this church. We're going to get together. And I don't want this just to be, you know, we have our leadership and we plan things and all that. And that's great. I, I love that. But here's what I do believe. I believe there are a lot of you who have great ideas, who see needs, who want to be part of the, the work. And as we get together, what I want us to look at is how can we reach our community one of the things Brother Clayton and I, we've spoken about several times is, you know, we send people on mission trip all the time. You know, and that's great. People in Turkey, Israel, people like, people, they, people need to know Jesus in those places. People in Honduras, they need to know Jesus. People in Africa. But I believe people right across the street over here need to know Jesus too. I was honestly thinking the other day, I'm not really a numbers person, but I, every now and then I'll get to be a numbers person. And I was thinking about people in our, in our church, like, where does everyone live, you know? And I had been to everyone's house. It's been a busy year. But I, I kind of have an idea where people live. And there's a lot of people in our church that are consistently here that don't even live in McLeod. If you live outside McLeod, keep coming. This is not my point. <laughs> my point is there's a lot of people living right around us who don't go to church anywhere. And besides that, they don't know Jesus. They don't know Christ. And what I really hope to do with this group that we make a focus that we are one to reach out to our community. I hope you're with us on that. I hope we continue on that. We're not just coming together and patting each other on the back, but rather we're people that also go and bring in new people. Because we need unity, don't you agree? John Trapp says that unity without verity is no better than conspiracy. If there's no truth to our unity, then what's the point? We need unity in our lives, but our unity needs to be focused upon the gospel. I've seen people be unified in a lot of places in this world. There's been whole sitcoms that revolved around people who were unified at places. You ever watch Cheers? <laughs> they all go to the bar every night, you know? You ever watch Friends? They all sat at a coffee shop. You ever watch Scooby-Doo? They all go to the malt shop, right? I mean, all these shows, I mean, we see where people, they assemble, they have a seemingly amount of unity. I don't know. It's a little bit of unity. But here's what I want you to understand, that what we're unifying over is Jesus. It's truth. Unity, J.C. Ryle says, unity without the gospel is a worthless unity. It is the very unity of hell, <laughs> Those are pretty strong words, right? I don't know who John Ryle was talking about during his life. You know, he's probably talking about, uh, I don't know, something down the street, maybe a pub or bar or something like that. But he says these people coming together, it's a unity of hell. But what the church is, we're a unity of salvation, a unity of God being glorified. Man, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of the church, isn't it? This past week, I got to work with you guys. This past week, I worked with... Uh, our association, uh, one thing I learned about Baptists is we really, really like committees. <laughs> I'm on like three committees with our association, you know, and it's, it's fun. It's interesting. I'm a people watcher. I'm seeing all these group dynamics going on, you know. But in those situations, we're no different than the early church. Yeah, we may have different opinions, but what's the goal here? I'm blessed to say that our association, we're focused on the gospel. 
I love that. I don't think I could be a part of it if it wasn't. So we're one. Guys, I, I, can't, I can't stress this enough. I know we put it on t-shirts and we're about to, we're about to put out another batch of t-shirts and, and beautiful McLeod red colors so we can wear them to ball games or events in town. They really stand out. And I know it, it may sound hokey. I'm not trying to be like the church down the street. Here's what I'm trying to say is that we are one in Christ. You know, one thing I heard this week during our teacher's feed, oh, most of the workers, we all had our blue shirts on and everybody kept saying, we like those shirts. Where'd you get them? <laughs> well, come to church on Sunday and I'll show you. I'll get you one. It's not about a t-shirt. I get it. But it is about us as people coming together. Tuesday would have never happened if a bunch of people wouldn't have came together. Wednesday night won't happen unless a bunch of people come together in unity. The second thing I would say that a spirit-powered courage leads to is us being open-handed I'm not talking about slapping, okay? Some of y'all be like, all right, that gives me the chance to, I'm open-handed. No, 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 no. You don't slap people. We turn the other cheek, right? Well, you slap some people. But anyways, we'll move on. Open-handed. We're a people who are defined by our charity. We're defined by our love. Being spirit-powered and having courage isn't just keeping everything to ourselves. You know, we come together as believers and we give money, right? We ought to be charitable with that money. I love that, that, that we do that. During 2020 and 2021, when I was looking at like the financials for Southern Baptists in general, our, our numbers were up. That tells me there's a lot of people still love Jesus, even though they're meeting in church or not. This church here experienced the same thing. Your numbers stay good, if not better. When I was at Porum, our numbers were higher. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe they like Daniel over the internet better. I don't know. Digital Daniel, right? But the passage here shows that they had a distinct Christian view of possessions that really doesn't line up with today's at all. Now, what I do believe, I don't think that this is like, okay, everybody go sell your house, your land, your cars, and we'll bring all the money here and see what we can do with it. I don't think that's really what it's talking about because honestly, in the rest of the epistles, we don't really see a, a, a traditional movement of people selling everything when they come to Christ. But what we do see is people who have sold their hearts over to Jesus. People who have given their life to Christ. People who say, you know what, God, your way is better than my way. They've become very open-handed, very charitable in all that they do. This passage shows a Christian view that possessions are not the central part of our life. It's not ownership, but it's stewardship. What are we doing with what God's given us? We spend a lot of money, I think, probably sometimes that is just kind of a waste, right? I was going through our accounts the other day and we had like all these subscriptions to like this viewing service, you know, this streaming service, this one, this one. You got Disney, you got, you know, Paramount, you've got, you know, all these different, some of them I'm like, I don't even watch these. Cut, 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 cut. I got a raise this week, by the way. So I cut off a bunch of it. Probably for the better. Let's cut off all that. That's, we don't need it anyways. But the, it's not about what you own. It's about what you give. What, what are we giving to God? What are we giving to him? Is it, is it just like, oh, I'll give him a little bit. I'll give as long as it doesn't hurt me too much. I'll give as long as it's during my time frame when I want to give. 
Now, we see that these people, they gave because they couldn't help but give. The Holy Spirit empowered them to give what they gave. And I think as believers, we need to be open-handed. And I know I can sit up here and you guys are like, well, here's a preacher. He's going to talk about money. No, 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 no. I don't really think I need to talk about money. I think foremost and first, I can't even talk today. But what we need to do is to be talking about what it means to follow Jesus. Because if you're really following Jesus, I believe you're going to be open-handed. You're going to give stuff. You're going to be giving. You're going to have this ability, this love, this desire to give, not just in money, but in talent, in time, in prayer. How many of you pray? You know, how many of us really, like, we sacrifice our time for prayer? We should. To studying the word, we should. It's a German proverb. It says, charity sees the need, not the cause. Too much of the time, we, we kind of view giving and stuff, we say, well, what's the need? And we should. But sometimes we don't look at it that way. We say, well, what's the cause? Well, why is this happening in society? Maybe someone comes to you and they have an addiction problem. And we look at them and we'll look at them and with judgmental eyes and we'll say, well, that's your fault. You've made those choices. But honestly, what's the need for that person? Well, they need Jesus, right? That's a totally different mindset. Well, I'm, I'm not going to help you because you've wasted, you've, you've squandered all your money. I mean, I have to go back to the, the story of the prodigal son, right? He goes out and he squanders all his dad's wealth that was given to him. And he comes home and, and the dad, when he looks at the son, he doesn't say, you terrible person, get away from here. But rather he tells him to go kill the fatty calf, bring the big robe. We're going to throw a feast because the dad saw the need. And what he needed was his family. What he needed was his family. And what I can say about our community, our world, is that they need to be a part of the family of God. Would the church say amen to that? And so we're open-handed. We're charitable so that that may happen in our church, in our community, in our world. So when we're empowered by the Spirit, and we get this courage that only comes from the Holy Spirit, it, it, it makes us to be a people who are one, a people who are open-handed. And the final thing I would say is that it makes us to be outspoken. I don't mean go be a jerk. Don't go be a keyboard warrior on Twitter or Facebook, right? I know that's so satisfying sometimes, but don't do it. It doesn't mean go down the street and talk bad about people. Being outspoken means we cannot contain the good news that we hold within ourselves. We can't hold it back. God, I have had to share this with someone today. My daughter, you know, I keep talking about it, but we're going to, I'm going to be a grandpa, you know? A Paul. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. What are they going to call me? I don't know. It's still kind of weird, honestly. I don't know if I'm ready. I'm ready to be a grandfather. I'm not really ready to be called something of that nature. I'm not that old yet, but it happens. I'm so blessed with that. But for like three weeks, I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't even tell my mom because we're, we're trying, they were wanting to wait to get pictures. They could share with the entire family. And so we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And I'm just like, oh, I was so in so much pain. I went and bought a new Shih Tzu puppy, right? So I could show people, look at our puppy. Look. And really in my mind, I'm thinking, look at this little baby. Look at this little peanut in my, my daughter's belly. You know what I mean? Look at this. It's hard to keep good news to ourselves. Sometimes when when we think about it, we don't have that same opinion on the gospel. 
We don't really share it with anyone. Walked in the cafe last uh, last Sunday, <laughs> and it was pretty much like First Baptist McLeod was all sitting in the cafe. Everywhere I looked, I was like, there's all these people down here. I know them. And one of the waitresses, she's like, somebody said, we ought to just have church down here. And the waitress said, yes, please. That's what the waitress said. I don't know her from Adam, but she's like, yes, please. I didn't get to go to church today because I had to work. You know what? I think there are people in the world who are mimicking exactly what she says. They're really looking for happiness. They're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. And sometimes we're just like, you know what? I'm going to keep this joy to myself. I'm going to keep this good news to myself. And why do we do that? I don't know. Why don't we share it? I do believe it's because of this. Our prayers are misled. We're not praying for courage. Most time we pray, God, I just pray that no one I know sees me at the grocery store. I do that. I don't want to see anybody here. I went down to pick up that dog this week in Purim, and I had to walk into school to get the dog. And I'm thinking, all right, I want to see as few people as possible because I got to get on the road and get back here because we had like a school thing for Jaron. And so I'm, I'm trying, I'm like this like this. I'm just wanting to get stuff done, right? And so I go in there and I saw this person, this person, this person. It took me like 45 minutes to leave the school, right? I was reminded of the scripture as that was out going on. I had to just change my mindset. And I, I got to visit with a lot of people I know. And I, I got to tell them what God's doing here. I got to hear what God's still doing in Purim. And I'm reminded that God loves, that God works despite us. <laughs> in spite of us. That God still does his work. That, that it's not about you and I. But here's the thing. You and I have a good news to share. Let the church say amen. We must be outspoken. You know, you see that the church here, they, they, they were of one accord. They have one mind. They, they were very giving and very charitable. They had everything in common. But look at verse 33. It says, and with great power. Everybody say power. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know, you guys, you hear from me a lot. I, I despise bad theology. I despise preachers who get up there and waste people's time. Because that's not, that's not what we see in the book of Acts here, is it? Some guy that gets up on stage and tells you, well, you need to live your best life, you know? I mean, come on now. Is that what Jesus was preaching? Is that what the, the early church is preaching? Look here. The early church preached this. Those early fo- church fathers. It says, with great power, right? The apostles were writing their next book. No. The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's all they had. You guys have heard me say this past year a lot of times. All I have is the gospel. Daniel's really not that interesting of a guy. I promise you. You'll get tired of hearing about the foods I like and dislike. I promise you. It gets old after a while. But the thing is, is that these guys, all they had, they were fishermen, right? They were tax collectors. They were all these kinds of things. You know, we know about these early followers. They were pottery makers. They were doing all these kind of works, and then they come to follow Jesus, and now here they are, and they only had one thing to talk about, and that was Jesus. They were focused on that. So that's why it upsets me when I see preachers who are just more of a motivational speaker on stage. Because you have this, you have this message that'll change people's lives. You can motivate somebody to feel happy, but that happiness phase, our emotions are unstable like the ocean, right? They kind of do this thing a lot of the times. 
you're really hungry at McDonald's and then you're, ah, I don't even like McDonald's anymore, right? Sometimes I'm like, ah, ah, there's nothing in this world I want more than a Big Mac. And then I leave that place hating myself. Like, why did you eat McDonald's, Daniel? Why would you do that? Why would you become such a sinner in that moment? But they were, they were one. They were, they were open-handed. But not just that, they were outspoken. They shared the gospel. I like what N.T. Wright had to say about evangelism because that's what at the core evangelism is. It's sharing our testimony. Each and every person in here, I want you to hear me. I know we're ending the, near, the end of this. It's 11.44. Some of you are like, good night. How long does this guy talk? But I want you to think for a moment. Every one of us in here have a testimony, an experience with Jesus if we know Christ, right? You have something to share that I can't share. Brother Tony, he shared with the youth the other night. He told a testimony of those kids that I can't share. I'm so thankful for men of God who'll stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to share. Like our, our youth, it's mixed stages in our youth group too. I love that. Some people say, well, I can't go to kids. I don't like kids. I can't go to youth. I don't like youth. Well, they probably don't like you either, but show up anyways, okay? God can move among his people. Honestly, the youth need everyone else. They need mentorship. They need discipleship. It's part of our job. We're called to be outspoken. But N.T. Wright, he says this, evangelism is not simply a matter of bringing individuals to personal faith. Though, of course, that remains central to the whole enterprise, it is a matter of confronting the world with good, but deeply disturbing news of a different way of living. The way of love. Have you ever tried to share the gospel with someone and they were very much against what you were trying to do? They tried to shut you down. You know, I mean, as, as I, I hope at some point you need to have that experience. That you're, you're sharing the gospel and someone's like, no. No. I remember years ago, um, I never told my mother this. She may have heard this over the years, but uh, we were living on the reservation and I went to this, this little town called Lukachukai. Everybody say Lukachukai. You can call it Lucky Charms, Lucky Chucky. They had all kinds of names for it. But Lukachukai, LA, that was another name for it. But on the Navajo Reservation, there was a little town called Lukachukai. And I really felt like we picked up some kids from this little neighborhood. So like out in the middle of the desert, right? And then all of a sudden there'd be a neighborhood. A bunch of people lived there. I really felt like I needed to go over there and just do some street ministry. So I did. I hop an old church van. We had an old blue, like, 86 Ford van that was a piece of junk. But it's actually interesting because that same van is the one that we drove. It was brand new in 1986, and it lasted all that long. And so I had, a, I had like, a close bond with that old blue, you know. I'd like driving that van. So we go. I go by myself to Lukachuka. I probably shouldn't have. I go over there, and I'm just kind of going around. And I see, like, a group of young people. And I go over, and I'm just like, hey, I just, like, invite you to church. And they're like, what's church about? And I remember explaining to them like what church is about and what we believe. Some of them were aware of what church is. Some of them didn't know. But I remember I turned and some of these houses, there would be like a, like the, the houses were fenced in, but there'd be like a house and a house and then like a little alleyway. And I remember I was, I could see the van over here. So I was going to say, it was getting dark. And I'm like, I'm going to save some steps, right? I'm going to save some steps. I'm not, I'm not going to, 
uh, walk all the way back around the, the neighborhood. I'm just going to cut through here. So I did, and I'm kind of got my head down. I was pretty pumped because I'd visited with some kids. And I felt like, you know, they'll, they'll be on the church van the next Wednesday night. I'm walking, and I begin to have a, this sense that someone's watching me. You ever had that before? It's like people staring at me. I look up, and on one end, there's about three guys. And on the other end, about three guys. And they weren't friendly, and they were not happy to see this white guy on the reservation, okay? And I'm thinking... What in the world? This is not like fun. <laughs> what I should mention is these guys weren't just guys that kind of look scary in a dark alley. They, they had knives in their hand too. One of them had a rock in his hand. I'll never forget this. Punk Daniel wanted just to run through them and play, you know, like uh, play some kind of just, I'm just going to run through them and, and just do a football play right here, you know? I want to play Red Rover with them. I'm just going to run through them and get the van and get out of there. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, they've got knives. they got rocks. They're like, they're not happy I'm there. They're, they're offended by why I'm there. I get it. But they kind, of, they kind of circle around me, and they're like, what are you doing here? And they're yelling at me and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't know, Mom. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you the story or not. <laughs> I have before. Okay. But I'm sitting there. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? You know? And so I didn't know what to do. I, I was probably kind of crying when this is going on, to be honest with you. But, but I, I just started preaching the gospel. Just literally. Just started preaching. Like if I was just talking to the youth group, this is who Jesus is. This is who we are. This is what he's done for us. And I, I presented that to them. And they're, and the whole time they're yelling at me, but as I, as I talked and as I talked and I just stayed calm and I just looked at them and I said, Jesus loves you. You know, your sin's going to, it's going to catch up with you at one point. It's going to, you know, what we know in scripture is that, that sin kills us, but God gives us life. If you just believe and repent, I kept doing that. It, they finally just kind of started being quieter and quieter, and they finally just left. And at the end of that, I, I knew they were kind of dispersing or whatever, but I just started praying that God would just move in their lives. I remember I bowed my head. And guys, I don't tell this story because of me. I was scared to death. I didn't know what else to do, okay? <laughs> honestly, if I'd had a knife, I'd probably fought him. I mean, honestly, I'd probably been that Peter guy, and I'm chopping people's ears off. <laughs> Then I would have had that testimony when you guys interviewed me. So yeah, it's glad. It's a good thing I didn't have an eye for me. But I, but I, I just bowed my head and I started praying. And when I opened my eyes, they were all gone. I thought, well, that was weird. Kind of had that, you know, like, well, maybe that really didn't happen. I didn't know. So I get in the van and I drive home. The next Wednesday night, there were three young men who came. And they were punks the whole time, you know? I think my brother-in-law was speaking that night and they just kind of ridiculed him. And he's like, I hope they don't come back. I remember him thing being kind of like, oh, this is crazy, you know? These guys, and, and we prayed we prayed for them. And then Sunday morning, one they, they came back again, Sunday morning. And we're sitting in Sunday school. And I remember there was like a rock in the floor. I don't know why. Somebody had painted like a pet rock or something. It was in the floor. And I'm teaching the youth like this. And I'm walking and I, my foot kicks it. And it flies over and hits the guy's chair. And he jumps up and he's like, like that, you know? He leaves. Like this, you know, God, what, what, how can I reach this guy? Well, he come in the service right at the end when we started Sunday morning service and he went down and he gave his life to the Lord. These guys were like, they, they were very hardcore. And what I want you to understand, it's not Daniel's love. It's not Daniel's abilities. It was the gospel that changed their life. These guys have been confronted with a good but very disturbing news of a different way of living their life. I don't know where they felt them guys are today, but I just remember for the rest of the time that I lived out there, they were part of that church. 
I'm talking, they were rough guys. They had the teardrops tattooed on their eyes. You know, I mean, they had some stuff. They had some past, but Jesus changed them. You and I are called, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, to be watchful, to stand firm, to act like men. I know it's offensive nowadays, but to act like men, to be strong, right? Paul's prayer for them is that this is how you need to be, to be strong. Church, we need to quit being weak. We need to quit accommodating society and say, well, I don't want to tell them about Jesus because, well, you do you, you whatever, whatever works for you. No, there's only one thing that works for you, and that's Jesus. That's it. Be strong. Second Timothy, he goes on, he says, for God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power. Everybody say power. power. And love and self-control. You know, I think back on that because Daniel's not very smart. I don't know if you guys have noticed yet or not, but Daniel's not a very smart person. And the only thing that got me through that night, I believe, was the gospel just at work within me. I can't even brag about it. Because what God gave me that night, he gave me power to preach the gospel. He, he gave me a, a power of love because I really just felt a deep love for these people that didn't know Jesus. But it also gave me self-control. I could have reacted. What you hear about Peter, he reacted very violently in one situation. But you never read about that again the rest of Peter's life. Peter walked, I believe, in a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. That old fisherman who had a dirty mouth probably, probably wasn't the, the holiest of of Hebrews at the time, you know, he wasn't the, he wasn't the top standing guy out there, but he became a guy who went and preached to the world. And he's still, his testimony is still speaking to us today because God didn't give us a spirit of fear. The number one thing I hear from people when they say, well, you know, if I ask them, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you go talk to that person about Jesus? Oh, I don't know, preacher. That's kind of your job. At the heart of it is fear. Because we're afraid of what that person's going to say. We're afraid we're going to mess up and say the wrong thing. Here's what I've learned is the Holy Spirit's already went before you. Just go. The Holy Spirit will correct things. We need to be a people who are going forth and preaching the gospel. Because if we're powered by the Spirit, I don't want us to be powered by the Southern Baptist Convention, even though I love it, right? We're not powered by an organization, we're not powered by this church. Even you're not powered by your pastor. I mean, I hope I can encourage you to read your Bible. Sure, but really at the core, that's the Holy Spirit doing that to you, not me. It's the Holy Spirit that reaches where, where no man has any power to do. He encourages you, encourages you in ways that I can't encourage. Because God is the one who gives us that power if there's one thing we should pray for, guys, we should pray that God would give us courage. Going into year two, I'm excited. Are you excited? Like, I don't, y'all are still here, so y'all must be wanting to hang around a little bit, right? Daniel hadn't made us too mad yet. <laughs> We're all still hanging in this together. We're still one. We're still doing the work of the gospel, which by the way, this church has been doing the work of the gospel for a long time, right? I just feel like I'm just stepping in and we just, we're going to keep rolling. Are there areas we need to correct? Yeah. But there's a lot of areas that are already really good right now. And I'm praising God for that. But as we come together, being one in the Spirit, let our focus be Jesus. 
And when we come into worship, don't come in saying, I hope we sing this song or that song. I hope Daniel preaches from this passage or that passage. I hope the temperature's too hot. I hope the temperature's too cold. I hope the temperature's right in the middle. I hope there's coffee. I hope there's not coffee. You see what I'm saying? This is, this is all across the denomination, all around the world. People have these wants and desires. When we come to church, our only desire should be to lift Jesus up and that's it. That's it. The worship's not about us. The word of God's not about us. It's all about Jesus. The work's not about us. I've got preacher friends. You know how preachers are, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They wanted my church this and my church that, and I saved this guy. I hate that because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Jesus did these things. I've had friends come and visit, and they look at the church like, man, this is awesome. They hear about people joining. They hear about baptisms. They hear about camps. They hear about all this stuff. They're like, man, God's really doing some great stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's God doing it, not me. But God does give us power to be together, to be charitable with all things, and to be outspoken, to, to not hold back the truth. Guys, don't hold the truth back. I guarantee there are people in your lives who need Jesus today. Am I right? There's a neighbor there's someone you see all the time. There's a family member that needs Jesus. Go and share Christ with them. Have courage. Well, I don't have courage. We'll pray for it. Remember what the early church did. I'm going to read it and then we're going to close. I've, I had a psalm I was going to read, but I'm not going to go there because I'm hungry. I know you are too. But look at that verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. And they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Year two can be a powerful year. We can see stuff go on and we've seen a lot of good stuff this year. Somebody this week, you know what? As a pastor, I've not felt anybody push me away one time since I've been here. I don't think that's because I'm a good pastor. I think that's because God's moving here. That God's got us all in one mind. I'm not going to be so high on myself and say, man, I must be really good at, you know, sweet talking people and that you know, we're just going to do different things or whatever. No, that's not it. It's the Holy Spirit moving in our people and we're all coming together. Jesse, we had the same thoughts this week. He sends me an email for our Sunday school class. I used it for an outline this morning, by the way, but he sends me an email and it was like, you know, like what's our focus as a church? Like, are we prepared for new people? There's these kind of questions that we need to be asking ourselves. That wasn't because we're brainiacs at church growth. I think it's because the Holy Spirit's speaking the same things to us. I guarantee you, there's somebody else in here who's been thinking, yeah, we need to be ready for this influx of people as we reach out and we minister. So we reach out and we evangelize. Church, I'm excited for you too. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. It's so our focus as we're reading here in Acts. Why are we in the book of Acts? We're in the book of Acts because I believe this is our example how to build a church. I know you can, you can read a Rick Warren book. You can do this. You can do that. Whatever. That's what everybody does nowadays. But I believe the formula for the church as it's supposed to be is essentially right here. That other stuff can help. I get it. I get it. I go to pastor's conferences. I, I get it. But at the core, this needs to be it. And at the core of our lives needs to be the gospel presented to others. If we believe it, why aren't we sharing it?